Come on and give him some praise. Give him some glory and honor. Hallelujah. Oh, God, no matter what comes our way, you are our strength. Oh, God, we lean on you. We trust in you. We depend on you, oh, God. Hallelujah. Oh, God, we couldn't do life without you. Hallelujah. We worship you, God. We welcome you in this place at my heart. Come lay peace with your holy fire. And now I stand amazed by your love and favor. I don't know where I would be. I don't know what I would do now if your love hadn't saved me. You are the strength of my life, and I'm eternally grateful. Sing, great are you, Lord, over all we will declare your faithful great are you lord over all great are you lord great are you lord you set my heart ablaze with your love with your holy fire
Say, God is good. Amen. Father God, we thank and praise you for this another opportunity to minister to these, your precious sheep. We thank you, Lord, that revelation knowledge will flow freely, uninterrupted, and unhindered by any satanic or demonic force. I thank you, Father, that you are speaking through my vocal cords and thinking through my mind. None of me and all of you. We thank you for clarity in all things. In Jesus' name. If you agree with that, say amen. 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 Well, welcome to World Changers Church, Houston South. <laughs> We're glad that you're here on the day. We want to welcome those who are watching online. Um, saw a couple of our family members on there earlier, Vin and some other folks. So we want to uh, welcome them with us. They're always faithfully attending online. And you can never get enough word. Amen. amen. You can never get enough truth. You can never get enough grace. You can never get enough uh, light in your life. Uh, thank God that we are at a church where, I mean, Sunday, Wednesday, Thursday, and uh, even online uh, throughout the week, you can just go and get the word over and over and over again. Uh, amen. Uh, Want to just kind of dive right in and pick up uh, where uh, we've been leaving off in our previous services. We're talking about how right uh, living uh, comes from right ruling. But if I'm going to rule right, I have to understand that I possess already within me the power to change. Amen? I already have the power to change on the inside of me, and that begins with grace. Amen? Uh, grace has enabled me, grace has enabled you to change. We understand if we're going to live right, if we're going to rule right, uh, one of the things we have to do is we have to do what the word says, which is transform. I can't stay who I used to be and try to be like Christ. Amen. Because how many guys know we wouldn't like him before we had him on the inside of us? 
Amen. And now that he's on the inside of us, uh, now that grace has moved in, now that Christ has moved in, we now have the power and the opportunity to change. But uh, change has to take place in our lives over a process. And tonight I want to talk to you about that process of change uh, that has uh, that has to happen. And it's it's actually in three stages, but we're going to kind of lead up to that. Um, well, actually, I'll just say, since I said it, uh, <laughs> there's three stages of change. The first one is in your spirit. Somebody say spirit. spirit. Yeah, and then the second one is in your soul. Somebody say soul. soul. And then the last one is in your body. Somebody says body. body. Now, there's an interchange that happens in my spirit uh, where the real me, my spirit man, is born again and changed. Many of us are very familiar with that type of change, uh, but then we kind of stop there and then we try to figure out how we change our thinking and therefore change our living. And often the way we were taught, at least in the past, was once you're saved, it's kind of like God's done with you and now it's up to you to go and change the way you think so that you can act better. Yeah. I don't know about you, but when I got saved, it's not that my thinking just automatically changed. It's not that all my behavior automatically changed. Uh, I'm glad I found and discovered grace and found the key in the process to really change. Now, why would somebody want to change? Well, I mean, don't you want to be a better husband? Don't you want to be a better wife? Don't you want to be a, a better mother or a better father or a better son or daughter or a better employee or just a better Christian or a better better uh, uh, civilian in society? We Many of us, or most of us at least, want to be better. Amen. Many of us want to grow. Many of us want to not be the same way we were before. Maybe I was a bad money manager and I want to be better at managing my money. Amen. Amen. Maybe, maybe I had an attitude problem before and I want, to, I want to be a person that's, that's a person of peace. And I want to be a peacemaker, not a troublemaker. All my troublemakers say amen. No, don't say nothing. I'm just playing. <laughs> but, but many of us, we want to be better. We want to grow. We want to change. And it is the Holy Spirit who indeed helps, helps us to do that. But it all starts with grace. I have to change first. My, my spirit has to change first before anything else can change in my life. It is beginning with salvation that a person can change. So there's three quick, quick points I want to make to you before we dive any deeper. Number one is we're changed in spirit and then in mind. Okay, and we're going to prove all this in the Word, but I want to throw these up, up, up to you early. We're changed in spirit and in mind. Number two, we are changed by grace. We're changed by grace. And number three, I just said it earlier. We have three levels of change. We're saved, and then we need to allow our minds to be renewed, and then our actions or our behavior will follow. I'll say that again. We're saved, number one. And then number two, we have to allow our minds to be renewed. And then number three, our actions or our change, or sorry, or our behavior will follow. Let's start with number one, that, that change that happens with salvation, or I also call it your spirit changing. Go with me to Romans chapter 8. We're going to look at uh, verse 3. Romans 8, 3. Let's look at this change that happens in our spirit. Now, I'm very careful to use that word spirit because often we've kind of, 
I don't know how to say it, but we've, we've kind of confused things a bit because we talk a lot about the soul like it's the spirit of a man. And my soul is really my mind, willing, and my emotions. And if I'm not careful, I'll, I'll talk about my soul changing, really meaning my spirit. But then when you start talking about somebody's mind changing, they get confused because they're like, wait, I thought you said I was already changed. Well, that was your spirit, but your soul is the second part of the process. But let's look first at the spirit of a person. Um, let's, uh, yeah, we'll stick to the ERV with this. It says, the law was without what? Power. Now, power is the ability to get results. When I have power, I can change my situation, correct? So when something has power, it is different or it causes a difference or it causes change. For instance, if I turn the lights out in this room and these lights lose power, how many of you guys know it'll look different in this room? So power causes things or makes things look different, power causes change. But let's see what the Bible says about the law and power. It says the law was without power. So right there you're seeing that the law has no ability to change you. The law has no ability to make a transformative difference in your life. Now the law definitely has a purpose, the law is definitely perfect, but it was never designed to transform you and I. So the law was without power. Why? Because it was made weak by our sinful selves. Even though the law is perfect, it's not the problem. What's the problem according to this scripture? We are. We are. The law can't change us because we won't do all of what the law says. That's really what that scripture is saying. The law is not the problem. It's human beings who are flawed because of sin, and we will never be able to perform the law. But thank God we had somebody who came here and fixed that problem for us. Amen. It says the law was without power because it was made weak by our sinful selves, but God did what the law could not do. The law couldn't transform us. The law didn't have power, but God did, and God does. God did what the law could not do. What did he do? He sent his son to earth. He sent his son to earth with the same human life that everyone else uses for sin. God sent him to be an offering to pay for sin. So God used a what? Human life to do what? To destroy sin. That's a lot right in that scripture right there. So, number one, we understand that when it comes to our spirits being changed, the law has no ability to change or save you. We are only saved because God sent his own son to earth to become the sacrifice for our sins. So, is it safe to conclude that I am not saved by the law my spirit is not changed by the law, but my spirit is indeed changed or saved because of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's go to verse 4. He did this, talking about God, so that we could be right. Just as the law said we must be. So here's a change. I was wrong. 
And the law said I needed to be right, but the law couldn't make me right. So the law shows us what we need to be, but it doesn't have the power to make us that. The law shows us that we need a savior. The law shows us we need someone or something to change us. But it says, I can't do it, but you need it. And then here comes Jesus saying, I am the way. I'm the way for your change. I'm the way that your spirit can now be born again. He did it so that we could be right, just as the law said we must be. Now, we don't live following our sinful selves. We live following the spirit. Now, you got to see the progress of what just happened there because it happens really quick if you're not paying attention to it. It says, listen, you can be saved in your spirit as the law tells you you should be. But once you're saved, now, that's that time word, now saying, now that you're saved, now that this has happened, there's something after your spirit changing. We don't live. Your living now has to change. You see that? So now that your spirit's changed, your living should change too. It's not just about getting saved and then saying, whoo, thank God I'm not going to hell no more. Thank God for grace. No, no, no. There's a, there's a, there's a next evolution or, or, or maturation that should happen in the life of every believer. It's your spirit changes, but now you don't live in line with that sinful self anymore. So that, that, that flies in the face of everyone who thinks, well, because I'm under grace, I can just live a life of sin. No, the, the goal of grace is still going to be living right before God. But how do I do that? We live following the Holy Spirit. It's all right there. That's what I say. If you don't pay attention, you, it'll fly right by you. You'll be like, oh, I'm saved. Thank God. You know, but you're saved. But now your, your living should change. And then he gives you the answer right there. He says, if you want to live right, because you should, because sin no longer has dominion. If you want to live right, you're going to have to follow the Holy Spirit. Somebody say that with me. Say, I live right, I live right. by following, by following the, Holy Spirit. the Holy Spirit. But this all started because of who? Jesus. Without grace, I would not even be able to change. It has to happen in my spirit first. I got to get saved. Because once I get saved, the Holy Spirit now comes to live on the inside of me. And I now possess the agent of change on the inside. Amen. But without grace, it would not even be possible. If you understand that, say amen. amen. So can we conclude this, that the law does not change us? Can we also conclude that, this, that sin no longer controls us? Sin has been, for lack of a better word, its control has been ended over your life because of the sacrifice of Jesus. Amen. For sin to still have dominion in your life means that the blood of Jesus didn't take. Amen. Means it doesn't work. Means it lost its power. Means it lost its value. And how many of you guys know the blood of Jesus is just as valuable today as it was over 2,000 years ago. It did the job. So if you believe on what Jesus did, you are saved. 
Your spirit is changed. You are no longer dead, but you are alive in Christ. You are right with God, no longer wrong with God. That situation has changed. Praise God. But is that the end of the change process for the believer? Absolutely not. Now that I'm saved, now that I'm right with God, now that I have the Holy Spirit on the inside of me, there's, there's more to my story of growing and changing. Go with me to Romans 12, 2. Now, again, how do I change once I'm saved? By, the, by, by doing what with the Spirit? Following the Holy Spirit. It's important you remember that because the Word of God is so good, He doesn't just leave you hanging. It's like everything bumps up right next to the next thing. So we see that I've changed in my spirit. The way to be changed in the spirit or to be saved is Jesus, grace. But now if I want to take that next step of growth in my everyday life, my mind has to change. And I change my living by following the Holy Spirit, but I don't just change my actions. You ever try to do that? You ever try to change your behavior without changing the way you think? I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to lose. You eat every Twinkie, every Whopper, every, everything that's still there. You go work out seven times a week, but you ain't learned nothing about nutrition or, 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 how your, or your relationship with food. Glory to God. I'm preaching to myself and the rest of us in this room. And if my understanding doesn't change and, my and then my thinking doesn't change, my behavior is not going to change, and nothing physically is going to change, is it? Some of us have done this journey together. We don't try this and that and this and that. We know it works. <laughs> but now we, what we have to do is, is we have to allow that mind to be changed, and then we have to choose what we know. I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but, but sometimes the Holy Spirit will show you what you need to do. And the Bible says you got to throw off the old and then let them renew and then put on the new. So just because I know the right thing doesn't mean I've still changed. I got to put that on. Somebody say put it on. You got to put on the understanding uh, that, that, that he's given you if you really want to see change. Let me show you this in the scriptures. It says don't change yourselves to be like the people of this world, but let God change you. God has taken the responsibility to change you. Let God change you inside. Now, if you're not careful, you would think that's talking about your spirit. But your spirit's already changed. Paul's writing this, and he's, he's talking to believers. Your spirit's already changed. This is talking about your soul. This is the soul change. This is the second level of that change. But let God change you inside. Inside that head, inside that mind, inside that will and emotions with a new way of thinking. With your grace self saved, forgiven, he's still saying, but if you really want to change God's way, not the world's way, you're going to have to let God transform your thinking. How does God transform my thinking? With his word. 
with his word. And you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. Now it's important that you got to know the role of the Holy Spirit. It says the Holy Spirit is our comforter. He's our power or our standby. But he's also our teacher. He's the teacher. Just like when Jesus was here walking on earth, he was the teacher. Now the Holy Spirit is on the inside with all that Jesus had when he was teaching. Possessed, he possesses the same. He's the same. And he possesses all that wisdom, all that knowledge, all that understanding, all that, that uh, revelation is the word I'm looking for. And he's on the inside of you constantly teaching you. He, he's, he's teaching you. And if you follow him, your thinking will change. And he's complimenting what's in the word. Somebody say the word. the word. Now it's going to be important that you understand the difference between the word and the Bible. Because how many of you guys know, let me just say it. How many of you guys know everything in the Bible is not necessarily the word. It may point to the word. The law is in the Bible. But can the law change you? So we have to be careful to say, well, the word can change me. And then somebody said, well, what's the word? This is all the word. Well, this is the Bible. And the Bible has a lot in it that points to the word. But what or who is the word? Jesus. Think about that. You're absolutely right. It's Jesus who is grace, who is truth. So as I behold the word, as I behold Christ, as I... Let the Holy Spirit teach me about the word I change, not just about the Bible. And see, that's just that little thing is what we used to have off. Because you had Christians like me who would say, oh, so, the, so I need to go and study all of what this says and then apply every bit of it to my life. And so I would go and read the law. And then get confused because it was saying do this, but this other part was saying do that. But I was like, well, it's all the word, isn't it? No, the word is the gospel of grace. The word is Jesus. The word is that truth. And as I study what he did for me, and I begin to see myself through the eyes of God by seeing who I am based on whose I am, then I can start changing the way I think. Let me make that really plain. If you begin to see that you are the righteousness of God, that you are right with God, then you will know because of what Jesus did, and that ain't failing you, you are now a child of God, so poverty can't be in your life. That's based on the word. The word did his job, and now you're looking at the word saying, you did your job, and now I understand that sickness has no place in my life. Why? Because the word saved me. Grace saved me. And I'm reading the word saying, because you're saved, you're healed. By his stripes, you are healed. By his stripes, I'm healed. And the more I begin to meditate on what the word did and what the word says, the Holy Spirit begins to uh, teach me and give me revelation of that truth. And it starts changing the way I think about this ailment that I seem to be experiencing. I start realizing that as a Christian, as a believer, I can't be sick. But you got symptoms. I can't be sick. It's not possible. Well, I don't know if I believe that. And that's why you're sick. Because you haven't been convinced. And you haven't allowed God to change your way of thinking. You're saved. I mean, you guys know there's a lot of saved sick people. 
But last I checked, as a joint heir with Christ, an heir of God, I don't, I, I, that means whatever Christ got, whatever Jesus had when walking the earth, I got. I mean, if I'm a joint heir with you to the same bank account, that means I got as much as you got, right? I got as much access as you have. Everything that's in there belong to me and you, right? It's not that you have more and I have less, right? Jesus don't have, Jesus did not have more healing power than what you have right now. Jesus didn't have more anointing than you do right now. When did Jesus walk around sick? When did he walk around broke? When did he walk around depressed? When did he walk around possessed? When did he walk around addicted? When did he walk around defeated? If he didn't, then we don't. The only thing that allows a person who says they're a believer to experience those things is not understanding God's way of thinking. They don't see it in the word. They don't understand who they are because they really don't understand whose they are. When the body of Christ wakes up and actually becomes believers, we say we believers, but what you believe in? I believe the word. I believe Jesus. I believe grace. I believe he did what he was supposed to do. And I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit on the inside of me to teach me every day by reminding me of what the word did and says concerning me. It says when you have this new way of thinking, when you've changed on the inside, then you will be able. Now that's interesting. You're not able to change anything in your spirit. You're not even able to change anything in your mind without the help of God. When does your ability come into play? After he's changed your way of thinking. It says, then you will be able to understand. Still ain't talking about doing yet. It's saying you'll be able to understand and accept. That's very important because sometimes we can know the will of God and like I said, we won't accept it. But he says, once God's transformed your thinking, then you will be able to understand and accept what God wants for you. What does God want for you right now today? What does he want for you? Think about the things that are going on in your life. What does God want concerning that? What does God say concerning that? That's why you have to behold the word and hold, behold Christ. What does he say about your finances? What does he say about your, uh, your health? What does he say about your relationships? What does he say about your job? What does he want concerning you? I'll tell you what he wants. He wants you blessed. He wants you overcoming. He wants you victorious. It says, then you will be able to understand and accept what God wants for you. You will be able. There's your ability again to know. But he's still talking about ability in your mind, understanding, knowing. What is good and pleasing to him, what is perfect. How many guys want to fully understand what God wants for you? Amen. Amen. Every day, the Holy Spirit will reveal to you what God wants concerning every situation in your life. And this is all the mind. 
You, you notice it didn't say able to do this and able to do that. No, no, this is the mind. Because once your spirit is saved and now your mind is renewed, the body, your actions, your behavior has no choice but to follow. Well, I take that back. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Your body and behavior has the ability to follow, but you got to let it. It's not automatic, is it? I said it's not automatic, is it? Let's, let's take a look at the scripture that uh, backs that up. Let's go to um, Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to start at verse 11 and then we're going to go down to verse 24. So, so, so my spirit has changed. My soul has changed. But now it's a matter of it being translated to my behavior. It says, and that same Christ gave these gifts to people. He made some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to go and tell the good news. Uh, what's the good news? Yeah, it's Jesus. It's, 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 it's interesting that good news is capital G, capital N. Why? Because it's talking about Jesus. It's talking about the gospel of grace. It's talking about the word. And some to care for and teach God's people. Christ gave these gifts to prepare God's holy people for the work of serving. To make the body of Christ stronger. Verse 13. This work must continue until we are all joined together in what we believe and in what we know about the Son of God. Our goal is to become like a full-grown man. He's talking to believers. He's saying our goal is to grow up. Our goal is to mature. Our goal is not just to get saved because just getting saved and having the mind that you had before is like a, a newborn baby. You're born again, but you're still a baby. He's saying babies can't serve in the way he just read. Babies ain't going to be prophets. Babies ain't going to be pastors. Babies ain't going to be evangelists. Babies ain't going to be teachers. Babies are not going to be able to benefit the body. I need a mature arm, God is saying. I need a mature leg, he's saying. I don't need the little immature arm or leg in the sense that uh, it, it's not developed to do what it needs to do. So he's, Paul is saying to the church of Ephesus, our goal is to grow. Our goal is to mature, to look just like Christ. That's what I was telling you earlier. How does Christ look? How does Jesus look? What, 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 did, what did he have when he was walking the earth? How was he living? He was changed. He was mature. And he operated in it. To look just like Christ and have all his perfection. Verse 14. Then we will no longer be like babies. We will not be people who are always changing like a ship that uh, that the waves carry one way and then another. Now that's a negative change. He's talking about one second, you're maturing, and the next second, you're immature. He's saying that's not the change you want. You want growth change and maturity change that goes up and up and up and up and up. We will not be influenced by every new teaching we hear from people who are trying to deceive us, those who make clever plans and use every kind of trick to fool others into following the wrong way. Amen. Verse 15. No, we will speak the truth. Amen. 
We'll speak about the gospel of grace. We'll speak about the word. We'll speak about who we are in Christ. But it'll be done with love. You ain't got to argue with everybody and do all that. We will grow to be like Christ. There it is again. I'm growing. I'm maturing. For what? Why? I'm saved. I'm good. Because there's still an end goal. And when you read all of this in context, we just read. What was the goal? So that we can become servants. Not of ourselves. So we can become servants. We can be used by him to change this world. Amen. I'm growing not for me. Why not? Because you're good already. I told you you're healed. I told you you're prosperous. I told you you're delivered. The question is, do you believe it? Amen. Once you believe it and allow the Holy Spirit to lead and guide you, you'll see the manifestation. Amen. But the growth, the change... The maturity, those grace gifts that are on the inside of you, he wants to grow you up so he can use you to change somebody else's world. Amen. He, Christ, is the head. And the whole body depends on him. All the parts of the body are joined and held together with each part doing its own work. Where does my work come in? Serving him. Now you just read about all this change in your spirit and this change in your mind and your understanding. And here we see work. Work has its place, but work is serving him using the grace gifts that he's given you after you've changed, after you've grown up. Amen. We don't work to serve ourselves. We don't work to benefit ourselves. We work to serve him. This causes the whole body to grow and be stronger in love. Now, I have, been, I have been starting this reading at verse 20, but I had to back up and make sure you saw this in context so that you see the purpose of change. When you get saved, yes, you're saved. Your spirit's saved. But our goal and aim in growing and maturing in our minds should be with the end goal of I want to be like Christ so that I can serve others. I know that's not popular. I know that don't make people shout and run around. I know, but it's the word. What happens to the church that gets back to what he actually said? What happens to the believers who stop believing for, uh, I, I want this car, I want this helicopter, I want this mansion, and I want this just so I can have something? What happens to the person that says, Lord, I just want to serve you. Grow me up to serve you. I want to let my life be a life of worship for you. Change me so that I can serve you. I promise you the, the money ain't going to be a problem. The health ain't going to be a problem. The businesses ain't going to be a problem. The relationship, the marriage, the kids, none of that stuff is going to be a problem. Why? Because your, your focus is on serving him. And trust me, he's already served you. And you'll just experience the manifestation of his grace, of his goodness that's already been made available for each and every one of us. This causes the whole body to grow and be stronger in love. Verse 17. I have something for the Lord, uh, from the Lord to tell you. He said, I warn you, don't continue living like those who don't believe. So he gives them this speech on maturity and growing up. And then he brings this form of correction or warning and say, listen, now that you know you're supposed to live, how you're supposed to mature, don't continue. So this was a problem that was going on. He's telling them don't continue. He's telling them change direction. He's telling them it's time to change. 
He said, you've been living like unbelievers, and, and, and I want you to continue to live like that. Their thoughts are worth nothing. It's interesting that he goes back to don't live like them. He goes back to change, and then he goes right back to the mind. Why? Because Paul has already identified if change is going to happen in the life of a saved person, it's going to happen in their minds because your spirit's already changed. But you're not following who? The Holy Spirit. So you're in unbelief. Because the Holy Spirit will be reminding you of this word. He would be showing this word in your face like a mirror. And you will be changed because you'll be like, oh, that's right. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm an overcomer. I'm victorious. But an unbeliever, an unbeliever is not seeing the reflection of, of God's truth, his grace and love and his word. Why? Because the unbeliever is not looking at the word. They're not listening to the Holy Spirit. They're looking at the circumstances. They're being carnal. They're operating by the senses. And Paul is saying, listen, don't continue to live like those. He's talking about behavior. He's talking about action. The third stage of change. He's saying, listen, this third stage is not happening right because the thoughts are wrong. Verse 18. They have no understanding. Back to the mind. They're not living right because their thoughts are worth nothing. Their thoughts are worth nothing. Why? Because they have no understanding. Why don't they have any understanding? Understanding of what? Of Christ. Of grace. How come? They know nothing because they refuse to listen. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the... I think he knew what he was talking about. It all connects together. They're not listening. He said they're not listening to the truth. They're not listening to the word. Most likely externally or internally. So... They cannot have the life that God gives. What stops the believer, the Christian, from having the life God gives? Not understanding, because you're refusing to listen, and it's resulting in bad thoughts or thinking. That bad thinking or that worthless thinking or thoughts, as he said, leads to a lack of understanding. Because you're not listening, and so you don't have the life God wants you to have. I don't have the healing. I don't have the prosperity. I don't have none of that. Why? Because I don't want to listen in church. Because I don't want to listen to that grace message. I don't want to listen to the Holy Spirit. Okay. You're still saved. God still loves you. I love you too. <laughs> but nothing's going to change. Because you're not willing to behold Christ in the word. Instead, you're beholding your circumstances. You're, you've become Lord of your life. Instead of letting the Lord be Lord of your life. He says, so they can't, they can't have the life God gives. And I thank God that's not you. I thank God that you're hearing the word. You're receiving the word. Both externally and internally. Amen. They have lost their feeling of shame, the lack of understanding, the bad thoughts have even affected their emotions. Emotions are of God. They'll take you towards his will or away from it. And he's saying they don't even have the emotion or feeling that should be telling them this is wrong. And they use their lives. Here's the results. Here's the behavior. Because the thinking is off, they use their lives to do. Now, he said earlier what we should be doing. 
What should we be doing? Serving. But he says these people aren't serving. They've gotten in unbelief. They've gotten carnal. And it's led them to now doing morally wrong. And that right there is the issue. How do I stay in sin? How do I, I, keep, I thought I was saved and this, that, and the other. He just gave you literally a pathway to that. When you, when you refuse to listen to what the Holy Spirit's telling you, because he's the one we're supposed to follow for change. It's not, the, it's not, the, it's not a salvation issue. Grace solved that problem. It's not even a sin issue. That's why we started off with what we started off with. Sin, say this with me, say sin, sin. is no longer an issue in my life. It's not a sin problem. Sin's been defeated because of the sacrifice of Jesus. So how is sin still in my life? I don't want to listen. I don't want to listen to the Holy Spirit. I don't want to listen to the Word. I don't want to follow that. I don't want to have nothing to do with that because I know better. It's at that point of submission. It's at that point of humility that we realize that, you know what? I need a Savior. And I don't just need a Savior to save me because I'm saved. I need now him to change me. And the Holy Spirit is the one who changes me. Amen. And I got to listen. Somebody say that with me. Say, I got to listen. And you never stop listening. When you go home tomorrow, listen. When you go home tonight, listen. On Saturday, listen. On Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Y'all remember on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Son, I'm kind of showing my age a little bit. But... Even worse, when I think about you, my feelings can't explain. Okay, sorry. Uh, but, but, but really, <laughs> every day of the week, I need to be thinking about him. I need to be listening to him. I need to be following his direction. Because that's how I stay out of this trap of more, more wrong or sin. If I am struggling, or if you are struggling with sin in any area of your life, I, I just challenge you to back up and say, who are you listening to? Because if you're listening to God, the promise is, you'll be fine. It's really that, that practical. He says, more and more they want to do all kinds of evil. It progresses. Verse 20. But, I, I, I get excited after you read all that and then you find a but somewhere in the Bible. But that way of life, what way of life? The bad thinking, because you don't listen, and end up in a moral wrong situation or sin, that way of life is nothing like what you've learned when you came to know Christ. When you came to know Christ, who moved on the inside? The Holy Spirit, the teacher, the comforter. He moved on the inside and began to reveal truth to you. So he's saying, oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. He's saying that way of living that we just were, were reading about, he said, that's gone. Remember, it's dead. So he said, you didn't learn that from Christ. You're a new creature holding on to old teaching, to old understanding. It's the residue of sin still trying to operate in your life. You got to choose to take that off. Because he said, I didn't put that there. I actually gave you victory over that. So where is it coming from? We're holding on to it. My goodness. Because he's saying, he said, you didn't learn that 
Go back, go back one guys. He said, but that way is like of life is nothing like what you've learned. She so said, this is a, that's a learned behavior, but it, you didn't learn that from me. It's what you learned when you, it was not what you learned when you came to know Christ. And so as a result, because that's not what you've learned, what, what have you learned from Christ? Somebody say, I learned the right way. All right, let's go forward to 21. I know that you heard about him, and in him you were taught the truth. That's what you learned. You didn't learn a lie anymore. What's the lie? The lie is, is that sin still has dominion over your life. The lie is you got to try to follow uh, the law to change yourself. It's all on you. The, the truth is, is no, it's no longer on you. It's on him. He saved you. He delivered you. He washed you. You're right with God. Yes, the truth is in Jesus. Keep going. You were taught to leave your old self. I think one uh, translation says about taking off that old nature. This means that you must stop. Who must stop? Who? No, 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 no. No, God going to stop you. No, the pastor going to stop you. Your husband and wife going to stop you. It's their fault. You must put the cookie down. You got to put the cuss down. You got to put the Amazon thing down. Okay, I can't say the name. You got to put the online shopping down. You got to stop. Now, he'll give you the power to stop, but you got to let him. You must stop living the evil way you lived before. That old self gets worse and worse. And God has already given you a way out of it. Because he loves you. That old way gets worse and worse because people are fooled by the evil they want to do. But thank God for Jesus. Your way of escape. Verse 23. You must be made new. I think on one translation says renewed in your mind or the spirit of your mind. You must be made new in your hearts and in your thinking. So first thing I got to do, we talked about this the other day, I got to throw off. Somebody says throw off. And I'm throwing off that old sinful nature. And then I got to be made new. Somebody says be made new. And I think one translation says let the Holy Spirit or let the Spirit renew your mind or your thoughts. So you got to let them. But this is still in that mind. Do you see this whole thing is saying if you want to change, you got to get your mind right. But you don't get your mind right. You just submit and let him do it. Verse uh, 24. Be that new person who was made to be like God, truly good and pleasing to him. That's the end of the change process. I take off the old. Then I let him renew my thinking, and then I put on the new. I put on what he gave me. But I don't like that plan. I don't want that car. I don't know if I want that job. But that's what he gave you. It's what he gave you. You got to choose whether you want to put it on or not. Remember, the, the, the path away from the life God has for you is not listening to him. 
Remember, this is real practical and real simple. If I want a good, pleasing life, I got to listen to God. And when he gives me what he wants for me, when he tells me, when he instructs me, when he presents it to me, I got to be make a choice to be that new person or like the other translation that says, I got to put it on. God is giving you what you need for life. The question is, do you want to wear it? He's not going to make you put it on. It's like the little kid, you know, you tell him, here's what I want you to wear. You, you put the clothes out, you iron and everything like that, and they come out with rain boots and neon, you know, shirt and all that. And you're like, that's not what I laid out for you. But only the, only the kid, only the immature wants to wear what they want to wear. The mature person says, you know where I'm about to go. You know how I need to be dressed. You know that I need my winter coat. You know that I need my gloves and my hat. You know, you know what I need to have on to be prepared for what I'm about to face. The mature person knows how to submit. The mature person knows how to listen. The mature person knows how to follow. And then that same person, when they walk out, they are now prepared for whatever happens. I'll never forget years ago, I got caught in a blizzard with me and my cousins, and um, we wanted to go to the park. Collins kids, we going to the park. That's what we always, we always had these adventures we was going on. And none of us had the proper gloves and coats and all that. And I remember our parents was like, hey, y'all might not really want to go out there because it might snow and we don't want y'all to get caught in the snow. We were like, no, we, we good. It's 10 of us. We're going to be fine together and everything like that. And we know better. So I remember I had a little jean jacket on and I buttoned it all the way up. And this is in Detroit in the dead of winter. And I, I buttoned everything up. We didn't really have gloves, you know, so we, we got socks out of our cousins and our grandma's drawers. And we got socks on for gloves because we about to go and play in the park and play in the snow. And man, we got to the park. I don't know how far away it was. It probably took us maybe, maybe 20, 25 minutes or so to walk there. And we playing, we having a good time. And before we know the snow started happening, we were like, oh, this is fun, you know. And we flipping and we wrestling and stuff like that. And then it started coming down real good. And we were like, uh oh, we better go ahead and head back home. But we was like, oh, just, just five more minutes. So we played a little more. And then the snow really started coming down. And you couldn't see even that far in front of you. And then the wind's blowing. And you got 10 kids out there. And so we, we begin to huddle up trying to walk back. And we're ages, probably ages 6 all the way up to about 14, 15. And so the younger ones started putting, I mean the older ones started putting the young ones on their backs. And we're carrying each other and we're huddled up. And it was so cold. I remember one, I think it was my sister, she had on the little socks. They had begun to freeze to her hand and they, they, were, they couldn't even break. I mean, they couldn't even bend because of how hard they got. I had a jerry curl back then. I, I never forget my jerry curl froze up. It was so cold. And I literally had ice all of my little curls. But, but we knew better. And I'll never forget, we finally made it back home. I think it took us an hour, hour and a half to get back because that's how slow we had to walk. And through tears and 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 our hands burning and our legs burning because the early stages of frostbite apparently were setting in. And I remember scratching my legs so much, they, they began to bleed and stuff like that when I finally got our clothes off and our clothes was frozen and stuff. And it was amazing because all my parents said, it was actually my dad, all he said was, I bet you won't do that again. <laughs> I was like, we almost died. 
but they knew better. They told us what to do, but we didn't want to listen. We wanted to go have fun. Caught up in our feelings of a good time because all the cousins was together. And I, you know what was weird? They never even came to look for us. <laughs> and sometimes, that, you, you're doggone right. That's, that's sometimes how it feels in your everyday living. Sometimes it feels like you out there on your own. Nobody's there to help you. And, and, and sometimes you're at your lowest point. And you're trying to figure out, God, what is going on? Well, I got good news. He said he'll never leave you nor forsake you. Amen. Even when we don't listen. Even when our gloves freeze up and flip back and our Jericho grows icicles, God is still there. The blood of Jesus is still rescuing you. He'll thaw you right out and get you right back where you need to be at. But he says, I got a way to make sure you never experience the pain. I got a way to make sure you never experience the hurt. And all you got to do is you got to choose to let me. Let me change the way you think so that you can live a truly good life, so that you can be just like me. Because I'm pleased when you're blessed. Did you know that? That's when God's pleased. He's not just pleased, He's not pleased because you did right. He's pleased because he sees the manifestation of blessing in your life. See, we've interpreted that again incorrectly. We, we think it's, oh, he's pleased when we do right. Then that's back to God's into your behavior. That only good behavior pleases God. Well, if that's the case, then he's unpleased with all of us. Or displeased with all of us. But that's not what the word talks, teaches us, is it? It says that the behavior of Christ earned us his blessings. So when is he pleased? When those blessings are manifested in my life. Christ did the good behavior and won us, our champion won us the blessing. And God is not pleased when that blessing that was won for us is not evident in our life. So that's why I become this new person made to be like God, truly good and then pleasing to him because it's a person who has the blessing in operation in their life. Not a person who is operating the perfect way so they get the blessing. He's like, you're truly good and as a result, the blessing is going to manifest. What's truly good? That's a person who's listening to him. Again, be careful as you study the word not to make doing the thing that changes you. Your job is just to let him change the way you think. Your job is to listen. And then we do the good stuff. And then the blessing can operate in our life. So say this with me. Say, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit I, make today I make the choice today to listen to you. God, thank you for changing my spirit. Thank you for saving me. Holy Spirit, I submit to you so you can change my soul, my mind, will, and emotions. And I thank you, Lord, that I'm growing. I'm maturing. I'm changing. So today, I throw off the old. 
I allow my mind to be renewed by the Holy Spirit. And I put on my new nature. I am changed because of Jesus. I am changed because of the word. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's give God a hand clap of praise for that. Amen. So now, um, as we take this moment to um, sow in giving, I want you just to make the decision. Make the decision to do just that. Follow the Holy Spirit. Trust Him. Do whatever He says to do. Your giving today is an act of worship. It's not an act of obligation. When the Bible talks about God loves a cheerful giver, that's a person who's not just happy, but that's a person who understands the blessing is already in operation in their life. And they're cheerful about that. Man, if you, if you can't give cheerfully in confidence that the blessing is already in effect in your life, you may want to hold off on giving. Amen? Because attitude giving ain't going to produce nothing in your life. You know, it's just like when we were younger, uh, we all had the responsibility to, to uh, cook. It was a rotational thing in the house. And some of my siblings, including myself sometimes, we would cook and my mama called it attitude cooking. <laughs> Seasoning wasn't right. You make spaghetti, you put extra water in there so it don't taste right. Don't, don't, don't do attitude giving. Don't give with an attitude because you know, you know it's what you really should do because he told you to, but you don't want to do it. That's not a cheerful giver. And as a result, there will be no manifestation. Can I say that, Lord? Yeah, you just waste you just wasting money. You just wasting money. Keep it. Go get you a Big Mac, a Whopper, or something. Spend some time with him so you can get your mind right. But give cheerfully out of obedience to what he says. If you're uh, given by text, it's right up here on the screen. Also, uh, be prepared, be ready. Uh, we have a new text to give system. So uh, we're gonna be um, probably pushing that more and more and more on uh, Sundays and it'll affect Wednesdays and Thursdays. It's actually real simple once you set it up the first time. Um, it's just a matter of doing your text like you currently do, but it's gonna be a different number with a different way. Um, and once you do the text and just hit send, that's it. There's no more going into the thing and having to set up. You do your card each time and all of that. Once it's set up once, it's good to go. Um, I don't want to get the number wrong because I, I and, and then it'd be on record and people get the wrong number. But we'll make sure you have it on Sunday. Uh, but be careful because with the way you give now is you would put WCTXHOU space and then the amount of your gift. So that's, that's the difference. That's the big difference. So it's WCTXHOU, uh, 1 million. Uh, WCTXHOU, space, 50,000. Uh, see, somebody caught that. Uh, <laughs> WCTXHOU, 100. You know, that's, that's how you do it. So make sure you put that space in there and then the number when we start that new system. Uh, but, I, but I thank you guys also, and then I'm going to be quiet, uh, for your giving because your giving is what uh, causes us to be able to be here on Thursday nights. Uh, your giving uh, helps 
more word go out every single week because we have this service we're able to stream it out um all of our messages now are on something called grace.tv uh, it's a, a, a fantastic uh online station of some friends of ours and they're over in india and they're getting as many um spirit-filled grace-based teachers out on the internet as possible um so again your giving is doing all of that right here from our south location so i thank you guys uh for just your obedience to god in that amen amen, amen. uh well let's take those gifts father god we thank you that these gifts are already blessed the seed has everything it needs in it to produce the harvest father god so we thank you that you do all that you need to do with that seed and we thank you for the manifestation in every area of our lives. And we'll be careful to give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise for the victory that comes from these cheerful gifts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give God one more hand clap of praise. Thank you all so much. We love you all. Make it out on Sunday. Uh, we're going to, again, continue to pick up on this. And it is also our 10-year anniversary. Woo! Man, 10 years. We know we've been uh, in, in, in Texas for, uh, in Houston now for 10 years. Uh, the last two years, Pastor uh, Dollar and Pastor Taffy have blessed us to become a, a branch of their calling them pioneer churches now uh, to where Pastor Melissa and I have been uh, honored to become the senior pastors with live preaching and all of that. So even though we've been here for two, 10 years, hey man, even though we've been here for 10 years, it's really a new church again. Uh, but man, God has done so much with us over these 10 years and we just getting started. So I hope you're ready for 10 wonderful more years. But we're going to have a good time celebrating. So make it on out uh, on Sunday morning. And we'll see you guys there. Love y'all. Reg, you want to come on up and finish this up? Amen. <laughs> Amen. Well, y'all blessed by that teaching tonight? Amen. Amen. We're so honored and blessed to have our pastor back with us, who's been away for a little bit, getting some rest, some much-needed rest. But he's back with us, and we're excited about that. Amen. Amen. Why don't you stand to your feet? We're going to be prepared to be dismissed. Y'all did offer tonight already, right? You didn't do it tonight? Office. Amen. If you're here tonight, before we dismiss, we'd like to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If you've not done that tonight, please make sure that you do that. We would love to pray with you uh, concerning that to make sure you're on the right path with God. The second appeal we'd like to make tonight, if you'd like to become members of this ministry, of this church, World Changers Church, Pastor Archie and Pastor Melissa would love to be your pastors to teach you the word of God in simplicity as you heard on tonight. We get this on a regular basis, so we would love for you to link up with us if you believe this is what God is leading you to be a part of. Third and final appeal we'd like to make tonight is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He talked about that tonight, having the Holy Spirit on the inside of you to talk to you. Well, that's a grace gift of having that to be on the inside of you where you can pray in the Spirit. We want to encourage you to be a part of that. We always believe that believers ought to be filled with the Holy Spirit with that evidence in their life. So if you're here tonight and you want us to do that, once we dismiss, we'd be glad to talk with you and pray with you about that to make sure that your needs are met. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you on tonight. We thank you on your word for your word. Holy Spirit, we listen to you as we've heard tonight in previous teachings, oh God. We thank you, Lord God, that as we leave this place, we will never, ever leave your presence. Traveling grace hours as we go. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, amen. You're dismissed. Thank you.